Hi, welcome to Coast Hills Church Weekend Online Sermon by Pastor Chet Lowe. We invite you to attend our services on Sunday at 10 o'clock a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. Our address is 5 Pursuit, Lisa Viejo, California, 92656. We hope to see you soon, and God bless. Would you stand with me as we honor God and His Word? Our scripture reading is going to be found in the Gospel of John, chapter 20. It'll be on the screen behind me, or there's a Bible in your seat back pocket right in front of you. John chapter 20, beginning in verse 24. Now, Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came, so the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the hands, Excuse me, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you, said to Thomas. Put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not be disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Our Father, I'm so thankful for doubting Thomas. And what a shame that after so many years of faithfully following you, he's known for this just one moment. But yet so faithful, even willing to die with you in John 11. And Lord, giving his life for you. And Father, I want to pray that as we learn about this man, that you'd speak to our hearts and with doubt you'd put faith and with despair you'd put joy. With discouragement you'd encourage us and you'd give us spiritual ears to hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Could you have your seat? Before I invite our guest speaker forward, let me give you a little bit of information about him. Uh, Head out to the uh, foyer. You're going to see Tidings of Great Joy by Wayne Taylor. And if you'd like to pick up one of these Christmas devotionals, uh, please do so and maybe consider just a small donation for the printing cost uh, so that he can um, pay for that. But Wayne Taylor, as well, oversees the Bible College in Washington, uh, Seattle, Washington, and so thankful uh, for uh, just having had grown up in the faith, listening to this man teach for so many years, um, and then beginning uh, coming out to California, growing in relationship with him. Just so thankful for him, his faith, and his family. Recently, uh, after 30 years, transitioning his church to his son, giving him a little bit more time to come out and speak, uh, called and said that he was going to be out here over the course uh, of this season. And so I said, hey, please come and minister at our church. Would you please welcome with me Pastor Wayne Taylor uh, to our stage. Okay. 
Yeah. Um, we, we hug here. Yeah. <laughs> you notice that I've been hugged like 10 times. <laughs> well, no, welcome, welcome to our family at Coast Hills. Thank you. God bless you, Wayne. Thanks. Wow. So good to be with you guys. Man, this is a beautiful area. You have so much sun, but it's still beautiful. <laughs> I thought we had all the beauty in Seattle, you know, but we have none of the sun. Anyway, it's so good to be with, with Chet. Um, you know, hearing his story, or I should say, stories, it's so awesome, um, God's hand upon this young man. I call him young because I'm a geezer. <laughs> but anyway, just, you know, think of it, nine kids, and he's not Catholic, you know? <laughs> Nine kids, I have ten grandchildren now, and I, I feel so blessed, I can't even tell you, um, just so, so blessed. And so getting to know him, we've had him speak and, and have enjoyed so much, um, really, I guess you sending him and, and allowing him to share with us, it's just been, it's been really wonderful. Now, it's Christmas season, right? But this message feels like Easter. But, you know, that's the awesome thing about Jesus is every day is Christmas and Easter because God sent him, Emmanuel, to be with us, to always be with us through the Holy Spirit. And he sacrificed his life and on the third day rose again. And that's, that's why we always have hope. Even in, in the worst of times, we always have hope. And we see that in this story. Um, as Chet mentioned, there is this, this book about Christmas. People say, um, how long did it take you to write this book? Well, like 35 years of, of like stories that um, I gained about Christmas just talking about it. Because we have seen so many people come to the Lord during Christmas. So many. And a lot of the stories in there more or less lead people to Jesus. So, and, and it's not just about the Bible story, but kind of the traditions. And the first story is about the real St. Nick. So it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, again, like he said, it's free, actually. It's just free. If you want to donate, that's fine. You don't have to. All right. Um, good. Now... Chet has read the story to us, so let's look at it. First, let's say, Jesus told his disciples over and over again that he was going to die on the cross and rise again the third day, right? But when he was crucified, they were shocked. They were shattered, devastated. They were depressed. It took a lot to get them to believe again. But then Jesus appeared to 10 of them. You know, only one had gone to the cross that we know of, John. But he appeared to 10 of them the very first night after the third day. Easter night, we would say, okay? 
And they were huddled there in fear. They were behind closed doors. They were worried. The place was locked up because they thought they would be the next ones, possibly, who would be taken and killed. But then Jesus showed himself. Though it was locked up, he can get through locked places. And he showed himself alive and risen. And he said, peace be with you. I love that. Whenever he he showed up, it was peace be with you. And some of us here today really need peace. You need his peace. And you don't have that. And he wants to bring you that. And then he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And breathed on them. Isn't that awesome? The Son of God, He just breathes on you and you receive the Holy Spirit. Powerful breath. And all their fears and unbelief were melted. But there was a problem. Thomas wasn't there. That's the message you got last week. But this week's message is he wasn't there. Thomas was not there. And so the other disciples were so excited to tell Thomas... That they'd seen the Lord and he was alive. And one after another, verse 24, they were telling him, the Lord is alive. But he refused to believe. He refused to be convinced. Now we all know his reputation, don't we? The legendary doubter. Like Chet said, doubting Thomas. You know, it's been 2,000 years. And it's still a household name. How would you like to be known for that in the Bible? Doubting Thomas. You know, it's interesting that Thomas, the name itself means twin. And he was also called Didymus, which means double or twin again. So evidently he was a twin. He evidently had a twin, a brother or sister, we don't know. But who was Thomas's twin? The Bible doesn't say. But you know what? Sometimes I think I know. I think it's me. I think I'm doubting Wayne. Maybe it's you, though. Perhaps you're his twin. Without raising your hand, how many of you are doubting a lot at times? Fears and, and, and insecurities where you know the promises, you know all about these things, but there's that doubt, maybe even unbelief that's there. Now, probably we're not identical twins with Thomas, but we sure sure are fraternal twins. There's a resemblance. We are somewhat like him. It's something that's there that we have to cope with. But I have good news. Here's the great news of this story. And then we'll look at it point by point. As we consider Thomas, and we look at him, though he was the last of the eleven, to see Jesus risen, and though he struggled so much with doubt, and you could say spiritual depression, which, by the way, is the number one mental health problem in America. 
more people suffer from this than any other mental problem. Though he struggled this way, Thomas finally did see the risen Lord Jesus Christ and no one gave a greater confession and and showed a greater transformation and became a more intense worshiper than Thomas of all the disciples. Just in the way he confesses. It's an amazing confession. So looking at these things about Thomas, Jesus showing himself to him, we see that there's two things really about doubt and about unbelief. There's a difference between them. What is the difference between honest doubt and unbelief? Well, there's a couple things. Number one, doubt says, I want to believe, but I can't yet. There's, there's a, a problem in my heart. But unbelief says, I will not believe no matter what the evidence is. No matter what, I'm not going to believe. Now, I think we see both of these problems in Thomas. But notice, unbelief, down in verse 25, says, I will never believe. Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I'll never believe. Some versions say, I will not believe, but it's, the ESV is even better. It's, it's really, really strong. I will not believe. It's not, I can't believe, I won't believe. And so there's a difference. And what is the difference? Well, he could have believed, but he wouldn't. Because 10 of the guys had seen Jesus alive. And a lot of the gals. But they were refusing to believe. And then the 10 saw and they believed, but they could have believed too. When Mary Magdalene and the ladies said, We've seen him. They could have believed. And then now that the disciples believed, they began to tell people and mass people began to believe. Why? Because eyewitnesses saw. And that was enough witness. That was enough evidence. So many saw. Over 500 people saw him alive again in at least 15 different appearances over a period of 40 days. And so these eyewitnesses were enough to believe. And then once you believe and you open your heart, then Jesus can reveal himself. The Holy Spirit and Jesus can open our hearts and we can experience him. And so to say, I will not believe even though I don't see, it's not necessary. We'll see that in the story. And so unbelief, it's a real problem. I will not believe. Now, honest doubt is really an emotional or an intellectual problem. 
But unbelief is a moral problem. People say, I can't believe. But you can. There's plenty of evidence. In your life so far of walking with Christ, there's plenty of evidence for you to face the next thing. And with his promises and him wanting to show you more and more of himself, all you have to do is open your heart and decide to believe. But what is it that prevents us from deciding to believe? It's not that, that, that there's emotions preventing us if it's unbelief or even intellectual problems with it. It's not that. It's I don't want to yield my life in trust and surrender because I want to sit on the throne of my life. It's not that I necessarily want to, but I'm afraid to trust. And it's, it's a control thing. And it really is a matter of who will sit on the throne. In other words, my heart is like a throne, and it's a place of worship. And either an idol is going to be there, including yourself, or some other thing that you won't let go of, and you know if you follow Jesus, you'll have to. That's the issue. There's a real problem. You know, Paul said, we walk with Jesus Christ by a faith relationship. You know, God is spirit. Jesus, in in the glory of his deity, is this awesome spirit, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three in one. We see that, that Thomas recognizes that towards the end when he finally realizes who he is. My Lord and my God. And it's a faith relationship. It's not based on physical senses. It's based on faith and trust. None of us has visibly seen Jesus yet, but we will. And that's what Jesus says. He says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. It's not necessary that you've seen the physical Jesus. We will see him face to face, the Bible says. That is going to be an amazing day. Amen? Woo! It's so true. But it's not necessary for trusting him today. Now, honest doubt wants to believe and surrender But the person's heart and mind need more assurance, need more understanding. And guess what? Here's here's another bit of good news. Jesus really wants to give you that. He wants you to be the most assured person regarding his love, regarding who he really is, his truth, all of that. He wants to give you that. It's really comforting to know that Jesus seeks out people with doubts. You know, when he appeared at the second appearance, he went straight to Thomas. He went straight to the guy that was having problems in order to show himself. And he gave him all the evidence that he wanted. 
In verse 25, remember again, he said, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. He had said that. And putting his finger and his hand into the, into the scars, right? But when Jesus came to him, he went right to him. Right to him. And verse 27 said to him, put your finger here. See my hands. Put out your hand. Place it in my side. Notice he says, do not be disbelieving. He had a problem really with unbelief as well as doubt. And he and Jesus is, is removing the honest doubt. So he really has a choice. His heart is calmed. Now, the thing to notice is that the Lord was there when Thomas had told the other disciples what he thought he needed. Because Jesus goes right to him and quotes him. Right? Now, of course, we know Jesus knows everything. All of that. He's God. We know that. But I believe the risen Lord would make himself visible and appear to people, like we said, at least 15 times. But he was always there. And he was listening. But he wasn't showing himself. Isn't it interesting? When the disciples were telling Thomas, no, he's alive, we've seen him. Thomas refused to believe, and Jesus didn't appear at that point. He didn't break in and say, hey, come on, man. What's wrong with you? He didn't do that, but he was listening. He was eavesdropping. Remember this. The Lord is always there. He sees how we're responding. And he sympathizes. But he also has his timing. And he knows when it's time to show himself so that you can move forward. If you want to move forward. And I trust that you do. Because he wants to show himself so fully to us. So he was there. And this intimate knowledge that Jesus had of Thomas, he has with you too. He knows all about yours and my weakness. He, he totally understands that. And when Thomas understood that he knew him that well, that melted him. That completely. Isn't that the thing? You're going along day by day and something comes in and shows that the Lord knows. And he knows you so well. And he brought the coolest little thing to reveal that to you. And it melts you. Sometimes you almost want to cry. When this happened, Thomas's doubts were gone. He didn't even need what he said he needed. He, there's no indication that he ever put his hand in like Jesus said. He never did that. He just said, my Lord and my God. Thomas seemed to struggle a lot with melancholy, with negativity. Some people do. You might be one of them. You might be a person that's kind of tormented emotionally. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Peace. Peace be with you.
He wants to give you peace. I've had so many people in 41 years of pastoring that they really believe, but they do struggle greatly with doubt and depression. And Jesus wants to lift their heart and lift their sense of torment and believe what he has provided through his death and resurrection. It's his torment that he had to go through that can remove all of our mental and emotional torments. And if it's his will, heal your body as well. But eventually we've got to go to heaven, so you've got to go through it. Unless the rapture happens. I don't know what your belief is, but I'm ready for that. Be awesome. Yes. You see, Thomas missed the first meeting. Now, why did he miss it? He was probably nursing his grief. Probably nursing his doubts. He was probably depressed. I don't want to see anybody. I don't want them to see me in this condition. See, that's what we say when we miss the meetings. But because he missed the meeting, he didn't discover how real and alive Jesus is. And you know, every meeting of the saints is like that. When I was standing here with worship, I don't totally go along with what Pastor Chet said. But I don't have a second service. Well, we actually have two services as well. But I don't have a service to compare it with negatively at all. I'm like... I was thinking, you guys are so vibrant, I want to go to this church now. <laughs> you know, it was thrilling, so I just want to let you know that. Hope it's okay, Chet. Yeah. <laughs> I was like feeling the presence. It's Jesus Christ. He said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm right in the middle. Do you know he's right in the middle right now? Honestly. This is not hyperbola, and it's not spiritualization. His spirit is walking in the midst of these rows right now, ready to touch people and help people and encourage people and give you a promise and an encouragement from God. He's doing that right now. He promised he would do that, and he is doing it. He said it the same thing to the churches in Revelation. He's right there. So good. Thomas was kind of a loner, very melancholy, seemingly. He wanted to be alone in his sadness. But it's in the midst of your sorrow when you most need the encouragement of the family, people. Amen. So if you're one of these that you only come like once a month, and so many Christians do these days, now, I understand there's sickness, there's kids, there's all this stuff that you're working with. Don't, don't get me wrong. This is not a, like a heavy trip. It's just, I'm saying, you do need the gathering of the saints. We do, amen? And it's in the gathering of the saints when Jesus' presence is so concentrated and so powerful and it's so helpful. He's also with us alone, but... It just helps when we're being encouraged. And that's why the devil doesn't want you to regularly be part of the family. It's just going to church sometimes, you know. That should be enough for God. But it's not enough for you to have a strong faith relationship. It's not enough. 
And that's why the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as is the habit of some, but all the more as you see the day drawing near. Do you see the day drawing near? Is he possibly coming soon? How many think he is coming? Okay, that's good, because he is. He said he would. Now, who misses out if we neglect? Thomas did. He really missed out. Imagine having another week of torment. The Lord wants to help us with that. He wants us to experience the glorious presence. It's so amazing because Jesus knows how to reveal himself. And it doesn't have to be in church. Don't get me wrong. But it so often is. But it can be other times too. It can be a call to a friend. I think we should call our friends whenever the Lord puts it on our hearts. Or call your enemy when he puts it on your heart. Who knows what will happen there. It's kind of interesting. Once the risen Lord clearly shows himself. Thomas is so moved. So moved. He says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus doesn't say, hey, don't, don't say that. That's only the Father. No, he doesn't say that. You have to understand, Thomas is Jewish. He only believes in one God. Right? The Lord our God is one God. One Lord. But Thomas is saying, Jesus is God and Lord. So there's Father, God, there's God the Son, and Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit. Woo! He's, he's with it. Three persons, all, each, fully God, yet totally God and one together. It's such a mystery, but it's so glorious. Now, the doubter has become the ultimate believer. Do you know that you and I can become very fervent believers? And it doesn't mean being weird. What is it? What are the things that bring us to the place of a fervent, close, vibrant walk personally with the Lord? Well, faith comes by hearing the Word of God. So hearing the Word of God it's going to build your faith. It's going to strengthen you. You'll receive the promises. And you'll know how real Jesus is. How real God is. But also the gathering of the saints that we talked about. That will also convince us. And then experiencing Jesus. Do you know that we can experience Jesus? Even though we don't see him physically, we can experience him, which is just as real tangibly. And we can see his works, the works of his hands, which many times are tangible and physical at times. Like he provides out of the blue. I mean, it's amazing. I'll, I'll just share with you about my wife. For 25 years, she had thyroid cancer. For 25 years. And... And every time we went back to the doctor, she still had it. And it flared up. 
after, towards the end of the 25 years, it flared up, and it was really back with a vengeance. Now, she took a lot of radiation. In fact, she took so much, she couldn't have any more radiation. Because if you had any more beyond what she had, you'd be getting cancer from that. And she was not allowed to receive any more. And so she was in there for a PET scan during this crisis time. After 25 years, we were like, did not know. I was so sad. She was having this pet, pet scan, and she was inside crying, not so much for herself, but also for her um, brother and her mom who had cancer, and her other brother had just died of AIDS, and he had lived a gay lifestyle. We had talked to him about Jesus many times. He had died of AIDS. She flew down and talked to him, and he gave his life to Jesus two years before he died. It was amazing. She told him the parable of the prodigal son, and he said, could God love me? And, he, and she said, let me tell you about the prodigal son. And he opened his heart and wanted to pray. He, he said, I'm going to pray with you. So he prayed and gave his life to the Lord, and then he died. But while she's lying later on now in this cylinder, getting this scan, she's sad. She's crying inside for her mom and her brother who have cancer. And my wife is not given to hyperbole at all. She doesn't tell mythical stories. She's a bottom liner. She's laying there and two beings, two angels, appear to her. And she's like, whoa, you know, whoa. And they start talking. One of them did all the talking. She, she knows it's so, I mean, every time I hear the story, it's the exact same thing, no matter who she's talking to. And one started talking and saying, hey, don't worry about your um, PET scan. It's going to come out negative. You're completely healed. But what I want you to do is I want you to tell, here, you know, the Lord basically wants you to go talk to your mom and your brother, and your mom's going to come to the Lord, and your father's going to come to the Lord. And... God is drying up all your tears. And she said, but I'm not crying. Yeah, but you're crying inside. She, she starts crying outside. You're right, I am. Okay, so we get the report of the PET scan completely clear. It's been clear for 12 years now. 12 years, totally clear, every time. You can trust God. He's very real. I don't know what he'll do in each of our lives. All I know is, no matter what you go through, Paul said nothing will be able to separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. No matter what it is. No, no matter if it's, you know, death, neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor 
any other created thing will be able to separate you. What are all those things? Those are the things Paul went through. And you have your own list, which would include kids. He didn't have that. You know, suffering children, incorrigible children like I was to my mom. Not even that can separate you. But God wants to show you in all those things that you cannot be separated. So he wants to give you that assurance. It's so good here that a former doubter whom Jesus convinced became all in. He was all the way now. My Lord and my God. Complete wholehearted. That's what Jesus deserves, but it's a battle. It's a battle to let him have the throne. It's a battle, and it's a daily battle. And I had an interesting experience preparing for this message, and this really happened. I'm, I just have to tell you about it. I was writing out thoughts, and suddenly a loud buzzing came around my head, and I looked, and there was a huge yellow jacket. And I didn't even think they were around at this time. But here was this yellow jacket, and I mean it was over an inch long, and it had three segments. I hate those. (laughs) And the third segment had a stinger so big. I immediately grab a newspaper, and I'm I'm starting to swing. And he, he went up to the lamp above the dining room table, and this is three in the morning. I'm going through my thoughts about this message. And I swing and I hit the lamp and there's a flash of of light and evidently the breaker switch went off. Everything went completely black. And, And I'm looking for a flashlight in the dark, hoping I don't get stung. And I find one and wouldn't you know, it didn't work. Right? We didn't have, I didn't have my phone. And so, oh, you know, so I look again. I find another one. It works. So I go put the breaker back on, and, and I come up hoping to find him dead, but he's nowhere to be found, which I, that's not a good feeling. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there. I'm trying to study, but I'm kind of nervous. And what happens? Um, another buzzing. And I grab the newspaper, and, I, and it's a fly. And I'm not afraid at all. Why? Because I'm really brave. (laughs) So I sit down to finish, and I'm getting this out, and then I hear another heavy heavy buzzing. And I look up, and and it's it's the yellow jacket. And and he is buzzing furiously. It's like he's insane now. It's like this time it's like he's really angry. You know, and I'm and this is bothering me. So I'm grabbing the paper, and he goes up there again, and I hit the thing. Breaker again. The breaker again. So I turn it on. But this time, I see when I come back, he's writhing on the floor in pain. And I just put my foot on him and smashed him. (laughs) Smashed. Then I pick him up with tissue and take him into the bathroom and flush him into eternity. Jesus came, John said, to destroy the works of the devil. 
Jesus came that we might have life and that more abundantly. Jesus came to give us his word and through his word, the truth will make you free and whom the son sets free is really free. He wants to free you from the plaguing unbelief, the nagging doubts, the tormenting fears and insecurities and the sense of condemnation that the devil wants to put on you continually so that you don't want to walk close to Jesus and in the victory. Because I thought of that verse when I was fighting that terrible yellow jacket. Death, where is your sting? Death, where's your victory? The sting of death is our sin. And the power of sin is the law that we have fallen short of. But thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ who took all of that and flushed it. And now he gives us a victory in him, in him, where nothing can separate us. And I just wanted you to know that. That's what we learned from Thomas. I think it was a turning point powerful turning point in his life. And Jesus wants you to know that in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Remember that this week. 